coming up on the InStuff podcast. Because I used to work at a buffet Ooh. that fell under the, the subgenre of smorgasbord. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that word so much. <laughs> that word to me just is like a combination of like grease and sausage and bleh. Let me tell you the things I've seen. (laughs) You will never eat at a buffet again. All that and more than you could ever dream to ask for coming up next on the InStuff Podcast. The InStuff Podcast is brought to you by Scratch Band, the brand new way to help you stop touching your face. Why is everyone telling you to wash your hands these days? Because they're covered with germs. Every time you touch your face, you're helping to put those germs into your body and make yourself sick. Until now, Scratch Band's patent-pending design allows you to scratch your face with your wrist instead of your fingers, shielding you from those gross hands. Made of medical-grade silicon, you can sanitize it in the dishwasher, washing machine, or even a microwave. So stop touching your face and making yourself sick and join the evolution. Scratch Band. More information at scratchband.life. So, wait, do the thing first. Kristen, how you doing? <laughs> Good, <laughs> is hi. That, is that our, like, thing of the show? Yes. Because <laughs> every time I ask you, as if I don't know, and we haven't been talking for the last, well, it's only half an hour this time. We're going really fast. I actually, I didn't know what to put in the notes because I'm not 100% clear what we're talking about today. Oh, I have to admit that. I went back and listened to the last episode because I was like, wait, we're talking about technology. I thought we were talking about technology and radicalization. And I was like, no, it's technology and conspiracy theories is what. I'm writing this down right now. About. <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better because uh, I was like, Kristen's going to give me hell if I like am not on the ball here because I'm already never put notes in anymore. I had no idea how to prepare for this, Mm -hmm. so I read, well, I already told you before we decided this topic, I was reading the book Love Your Enemies by Arthur C. Brooks, which was a good book, and he pretty much is just addressing a culture of contempt. You're so well read. Well, no. Um, I just live by myself and don't have anybody to talk to, so my books talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. And then you're like a lady Harry Potter or something like that. By recommendation, I also this week I read the book titled Cultish by Amanda Montel. Oh. And in that book, she talks about the language of cults. Hmm. Which was really interesting. And it made a lot of sense, but it was good to to Listen to the book and just kind of get all of that in my head before we have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was a recommendation by Kendall on, oh. our, on our team at work. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good Good job. Wow. I, in typical fashion, just watched videos. 
because <laughs> well, I'm curious what you watched. Uh, I watched uh, one by The Economist. That was more about radicalization. And then I watched one by the Australian 60 Minutes. For some reason, YouTube's always recommending Australian 60 Minutes to me. Interesting. Yeah. About uh, conspiracy theories and technology and how those things play together. And so, yeah, I just, I was hoping we could talk about technology and how it sort of leads people down these rabbit holes without overlapping too much of what we've talked about with social media and how social media can radicalize people. There's you can. Certainly. It's because it's the people behind the social media designed to to do that without much effort. Right? Oh yeah, and the algorithms. Yeah. That's different. So is there anything in particular that you would like to start off with when it comes to this? Can we before we start, can we just clarify so I know how to focus? Are we talking then about people driving the radicalization or algorithms driving the radicalization? Well, I'm I'm thinking more broadly technology, not necessarily just algorithms, but for example, the internet and social media allowing you to find like-minded people and make you feel like there are lots of people who believe the same thing that you do. Um, the technology behind deep fakes mm -hmm. that can help with conspiracy theories and other software that allows you to manipulate um, material and make it look real and, and, uh, and therefore spread conspiracies. So I guess I'm, I'm, since we tend to lean toward technology, I'm looking at a little bit broader definition of technology than just the, the algorithms and AI, but, but it is, I think it is definitely part of it though, because it is algorithms that kind of exacerbate that echo chamber of, you know, once you read something mm -hmm. and you kind of give the algorithm an idea of what you're interested in seeing, it just feeds you more and more of that thing. Oh, absolutely. So you have this confirmation bias reinforced by a purely technological thing. Yeah. So, which makes me think how much of conspiracy theories, the spread of conspiracy theories and um, radicalization is due to the algorithms and how much is just like the technology allowing us i know you can't really i mean it'd be very hard to study that and know for sure but you know the algorithm algorithms take people who otherwise would not be that interested in in this stuff and pull them in it's sort of like throwing somebody you know like hey try this heroin you know, you're like, oh, wow. Like, it sucks them in. Um, <laughs> As one does when one's offered Yeah, heroin. hey, try, this is, obviously, I grew up in the tough neighborhood. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time somebody said, hey, try this heroin, you know, they were retired. <laughs> um, but, so I, and, and then, but the internet still, and I guess the the way that you could look at this is look how much of this are we gonna are we gonna pick conspiracy theories radicalization what do we want to call it? like unhealthy social behavior existed before there were these algorithms before there's youtube before there's facebook people 
could still find these groups, mm -hmm. but they had to go and hunt for them. It had to be a self-motivated mission in many ways. Right. As opposed to now, where we're just like, huh, hey, you know, what is the deal with global warming? Is it real? And pretty soon you're like, believe the earth is flat. And, and, and I think radicalization ha happens on all sides and in lots of knowledge domains. Mm -hmm. I always say knowledge domains. That's a weird way to refer to it. But I was just thinking about climate, too. Like, as soon as you read a few articles about you know, climate issues. All of a sudden, Google's like, hey, look at all of these articles. And you're like, whoa, how is the earth still here? Yeah. <laughs> it's calm down, Google. <laughs> so fundamentally, what I'd like all of this to sort of be swirling around is how has technology created these problems and can technology get us out of them? It's interesting. So, you know, certainly there were crazy groups back in the day mm -hmm. but far fewer because there was it was so much harder to reach people and people were so spread so far and wide that you know every village <laughs> i gotta be careful i don't have a whole lot of sympathy <laughs> for conspiracy theorists and um and obviously radicalized people <laughs> so <laughs> I just caught myself before I really got into it. But, um, you know, in, in the early days, if, if there were, you know, a hundred people in the United States who all believe the earth was flat, they'd never meet each other. That's so they, true. they'd never, and they'd, instead they'd be around people who every time they're like, Hey, you know, you think there's a chance the earth is flat? No, dude, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, okay, never mind. So the internet allows this to happen in a much more efficient way. It's it's brought that to us in a way that that these people never would have found each other before and therefore would have spent most of their lives being told like having these conspiracy theories nipped in the bud. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look at uh the JFK assassination. A very pub obviously worldwide issue that is incredibly unsettling and seems to indicate that the government is not in control. You know, the government can't protect its own president. So that leads to more of, uh, I think a, a growth in conspiracy theories. That's one we've had for quite a long time, well before the internet existed. Mm -hmm. So certainly there are examples of, and, you know, the moon landing too. really big public experiences that people have questioned right. and enough people have questioned that they found each other, that they, that these things could kind of survive. But, um, the internet has, you know, and the algorithms have made it easy to find like-minded people and connect to those people. It's together. easy to find them, even if you're not looking for them Yeah. too. So. Uh, what other ways would you say that you've seen or, or learned about how technology has fed this beast? If I, I've, I'm calling it a beast. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy theories and radicalization is a beast. It's true. And I don't think that it's, I think everybody is, who spends any time on the internet sees this phenomenon happening. And it's really... 
it's not just that it's easy to find other people. It's that just that it is algorithms reinforcing the thing that you're already looking for. Yeah. Here's an anecdote that I think about often. When I first started working for the university, we did training all around the state. Mm. We were doing some training in Homer. And this was back in the day, like back, back in the day. It was probably 2006, maybe 2005. When web web 2.0 wasn't hardly even a thing, mm-hmm. and RSS and news news readers and all of the things we used to use to get news, that kind of rhymed. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very proud of you. <laughs> web 2.0. I mean, I assume people listening to this understand some basics, but just in case, web 2.0 is when the web content started being generated by users instead of the companies which would be web 1.0 when you just went to a site that the company made now we produce the content youtube social media that kind of thing yeah there was a democratization of online publishing right so we were in the middle of training and we're training faculty and it was on campus down in homework and an individual stopped me while i was talking because i was talking about newsreaders and rss Mm-hmm. When back when our people actually had to deal directly with RSS and it just didn't happen behind the scenes. Anyway, he was really upset about the whole thing. And his his deal was like he's like, well, if if you're subscribing to these news feeds, then that's all the news that you're reading. And I was mm. like, well, yeah, because you subscribe to it. <laughs> and it wasn't hitting me at the time what he was saying. <laughs> And he wanted to have that conversation that there was no diversity mm-hmm. of of news coming in. And in my mind, I was like, well, it's like a newspaper. You buy the newspaper and that's the newspaper that comes to you. Mm-hmm. There, and, and he was trying to make the point that there was no opportunity for serendipity. Like some divergent thinking might wander into your news oh, reader. Interesting. And present you with an idea that you had never considered before. Huh. And so I think about that now, because now that sort of thing kind of can happen. You get recommendations from all over. If you're on Instagram, you get recommendations that are going to be based on things that you've looked at, but that are really informed by a technological sort of thing, like an algorithm. Facebook, of course, there's like a whole news section to Facebook that does that exact same thing. Google's Discover inside of Google Apps will do that too. It's like, Mm. you read this one article, you must be interested in these articles. So Mm -hmm. like, this is how we read the web now. RSS readers went away. It's very hard unless you have a subscription to something to log in and read your subscriptions. I mean, there's still RSS readers. There's Inno Reader and Old Reader and all of those, but a lot of th- a lot of what's happening now is just people going to a platform and the news coming to them. Mm-hmm. But what what we see is these algorithms really driving the thing that we're exposed to, and a lot of times the companies that are running these algorithms don't necessarily understand how they're working after they've been running for a while, which is concerning. And they'll mm. they'll say exactly that too, and so. 
it does make me think back to the individual back on the campus who was really upset there were no opportunities for for a contradictory um, viewpoints to be presented and now we have that but it's not in the way that i think he was really trying to shed light on right well and the algorithms aren't designed to give you contradictory information exactly they're designed yeah to give you more of what they want what you want or they think you want (sighs) but why not like why are they designed to do that and that's that's the thing that i think i i'm curious about because they could very easily Mm -hmm. be be built differently but they're designed in such a way that there's more convergent thinking propagated by these algorithms and there is divergent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about the early, not that early, but, you know, go back in television a few decades. There's a, there's a few major channels that people can choose from. You could name them. You could name yeah. all the channels. Yeah. And you can't do that now. No, not absolutely not. <laughs> um, and they, you know, were, all sort of in basically the same ballpark. And the benefits of that were that you weren't getting bizarre, radical, conspiracy-type stuff. But at the same time, you were getting a pretty homogeneous message from a certain group of society, you know, um, the, the sort of wealthy, powerful people. Everything was pitched to the metal. Yeah, exactly. And so now we have both the the fact that there's a lot more content created by a lot more people that's allowing there to be entertainment that speaks to a lot of different people's experiences, but it's also allowed for totally, um, irresponsible and, uh, dangerous media in the door too. That, and I think behaviors too, develop where i'm sure you've heard of people death scrolling on twitter so they just log into twitter and they start reading news but it's it's all of this end of the world kind of oh right thing that really can put you into a downward spiral Mm -hmm. yep doom scrolling is what i've heard sorry right it is it's doom scrolling oh okay sorry (laughs) you take it a little bit further i took it a little bit further i was like they scroll until they die (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at least YouTube at some point is like, dude, do something else. <laughs> you reach the end. Here's a kid's video. <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of stuff about like sea otters playing at the Oregon Zoo for some reason. Everything from the dodo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think we're adding a lot to the conversation to say that technology has played a big part in this and right. technology has been a mixed bag. Can technology get us out of it? Sure. How? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the episode, people. Well, you know, I, I heard something interesting, though. There was, and it's just a, it's a news cycle thing, but a couple of things that I listened to were picking up on the fact that on TikTok, there are all these kids creating content, and it's mm-hmm. like kids unboxing things and kids playing with toys and kids doing things that kids do. And I was like, oh, that's refreshing. Let, mm-hmm. Let's see more kids doing things and that being interesting to other mm-hmm. kids. You're shaking your head. No, I'm 100% agree. 
because it's like the other day I saw a woman walking her dog and pulling one kid on one of those like sort of upright sleds that you can steer that's like a looks like a snow machine yeah. you know like one thing with a and then a kid another kid on another one tied to the back of that and i just had to like stare at this these people i was like this is so heartwarming it reminds <laughs> me of like when i used to get pulled on the sled and then Aww. you get too big and your parents are like no we can't pull you anymore and then pulling my daughter on the sled and same deal <laughs> And I was like, ah, oh, let's just like show that in my feed. I wonder if AI could fix this. If I'm it could sure. detect, be better at finding the, you know, the, these um, radicalizing uh, whatever social media content and not dragging people down into this or mixing it up a little bit or you know could ai do that um i don't know because i think too once once a group realizes that their speech is being flagged they change the language exactly they either go to a smaller venue uh form or whatever um media outlet where they aren't being censored mm -hmm. or they they come up with seemingly you know innocuous terms like boogaloo or using the okay sign um and all the other various terms so yeah they're they're really good at eluding any sort of automated um censorship or anything like that right um and then then that brings into the questions of free speech like at what point yeah. should should speech be censored and behavior be illegal right. like and one of the things i learned is um in one of the videos which i will get you these videos <laughs> i just kind of like get youtube open on my laptop anyway it's um was that like in the u.s it's not illegal to belong to a radical racist group right but it is in other countries so are we going to get to the point where you you cannot legally belong to an openly racist group or something like question. that, you know, because, um, right wing radicalization is now the biggest terrorist threat to the world. Um, as far as I'm, I've heard. So how much of that will we put up with before we're like, okay, it's gotta be a new law or something, you know, free speech is a dangerous one, but we have, we have tempered it before, as we talked about in media and culture class with the right. Westboro Baptist Church. We've said, you know what? You can have free speech, but it has to be like 100 yards away from where this soldier's funeral is happening. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I just. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> the, you know, the other factor, too, is do we do we ever get out of this pandemic? Because the pandemic is creating is is compounding the issue as well yes we have a lot of people who are isolated mm -hmm. depressed and, and there's angry. no opportunity for them to bounce their ideas off of a number of people who mm -hmm. might push back yeah, yeah exactly yep most of us are not gathering in bars or gathering around the water cooler anymore where uh we found out that we're 
we're idiots on certain issues and had that corrected. Mm-hmm. Guy lectured my daughter one time about how, <laughs> what was it, the FDA was the, no. I lectured her on something. Uh, the USDA was like the United States Dairy Association, and it was like, anyway, it was this hilarious thing that I had totally gotten wrong. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, did she know better? Was she's like, was she, she was like, like dubious. I was like, I can't remember how it came up, but I was like, the USDA is the United States Dairy Association, and this is the organization that regulates milk, and it's not government control, it's an association. She's like, hmm, that doesn't sound right to me. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> so she loves to joke about how I thought USDA was United States Dairy Association instead of the United States Department of Agriculture. Good for you guys. <laughs> she's she's clever. She's, you know, I've definitely taught her critical thinking by giving her many things to be critical of. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but criticism by example. <laughs> you know, so if we all get back together, one thing, you know, the 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 thing that's so hard to understand is people who are radicalized, people who are so deep into these conspiracy theories are 110% sold on them. Mm-hmm. And it makes, it made me think, what do I, what do I think's crazy? There I must be something I believe a hundred percent that is crazy. That's a really good question to ask yourself. <laughs> Cause I don't know that I've done that. And I don't know that I'd be able to recognize the crazy in me. Uh-huh. But that's an interesting reflection. Oh, my cat, I think, might be making it on the podcast here with that. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's like, shut up and be warm and pet me. Uh, yeah, what? You know, is there a conspiracy that I believe? Do I you just... believe in Bigfoot? No. Hmm. Is there a conspiracy you believe in? I feel like there might be something that is innocuous enough that yeah. we wouldn't realize it, but that we do believe in. I, I can't for the life of me. And this is exactly the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see, like, some areas, you look at corporations, you're like, this corporation is evil, it only exists to make money, and it, and whatever. And I could see, like, I have some maybe misconstrued beliefs or not 100 percent yeah obviously there are things i i believe that are probably not fully accurate Mm -hmm. but is there you know we talked about this in media and culture class too which i keep pitching because that class does not fill i cannot get enough people for that i'm kidding (laughs) that is not true (laughs) (laughs) don't worry about it you don't have to take it we we got plenty of students but um (laughs) But is there anything you believe that no matter what evidence was presented to you, you would never stop believing that? Oh, that's you know, a good and we, we brought that up and it and just the question scares me a little bit because I want to say no, there is nothing that I couldn't change my mind about if I was giving it given enough evidence. Mm-hmm. But it creates this sense of like nothing is permanent or nothing can be depended on and i don't believe that so here here's something do you ever were you, have you ever been encountered with encountered wow have you ever been <laughs> presented with the idea that the existence that we're living is a simulation oh yeah yep 
Do you believe feels that? Feels like every student in college at some point has that. I think it was a philosophy class or something yeah. where you're like, whoa, I could be a brain in a jar. I never, that's like the kind of, like, I think, cliche college epiphany. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. This could all be a simulation. Yep. Well, at what point do you decide that you don't believe that? Because part of the argument when they're making that argument is if there is even a small chance that you believe this is a possibility, then mm-hmm. it is happening. Then it is happening mm-hmm. for sure. That they you've never been I've in not the heard conversation that argument that's gone that far. Where just because something has a a billionth of a percentage chance of happening, then I must believe it. I, I don't. Not I don't that you must that. believe it, but that is it is a reality. Oh. Yeah. Or a possibility, even. Yeah. And, I and believe therefore, it's a you must entertain it. I mu- I I have entertained it, and I've decided that um it doesn't make sense to, you're not on board i have that, not seen evidence to present that but i won't leave out the idea that there could be yeah which i think is or if someday i might find out yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> if That's it's a simulation can we just uh, tweak this a little bit if anyone's listening <laughs> the idea is that we live in a simulation or this is a shared delusion or all of like reality is just this thing that isn't factual mm-hmm. but just a perception yeah is entertaining to me but i think that just stepping back from all of that and being a person on the planet who's willing to entertain thoughts that other people have not Mm. necessarily accept everything because that's ludicrous you would never be a productive person in society if you were entertaining all possibilities but just to sit back and listen to other people and hear what they have to say and entertain it and decide critically if you believe it or not. I think that is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just outright negate everything that you hear that doesn't align with what you already believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm, I've, you know, the things that come to mind are probably political political stuff becomes very personal to you very fast and Mm -hmm. therefore you start to get really defensive about it pretty quick especially political beliefs you had for a long time i think politics and religion definitely yeah yep this reminds me of a line i don't remember what woody allen movie it is where he i think he's like struggling over why there's evil in the world and his dad is like I don't understand how the toaster works. How are you expecting me to explain how why there's evil in the world? <laughs> I'm murdering that quote. <laughs> but that's a good delivery. But that's delivery. kind of how I feel about this. Like, yeah. I, don't, wow, I can't. Yeah, I seriously don't know how toaster works. Like, how, this is beyond me. how can I understand if we're living a simulation? <laughs> I mean, that's a good yeah. way to frame everything. Well, I think it's a it's an important thing, and it's a scary thing to ask yourself. Is there anything I believe that other people who I consider rational think is totally nuts? Um, and not just bad taste. There's I love Chinese buffets, but I know that they are culinary disasters. Well, all buffets are. Let's be clear. Pretty much, yes. All buffets. All buffets. But I hate all buffets except Chinese buffets. <laughs> 
because I used to work at a buffet that fell under the the subgenre of smorgasbord. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that word so much. (laughs) That word to me just is like a combination of like grease and sausage and let me tell you the things i've seen (laughs) you will never eat at a buffet again (laughs) i once ran my hands through the bulk bin of flour at the grocery store why would you do that because i was like three i remember getting yelled at really good by one of the employies for that (laughs) that's why why you put them so low i'm like a little kid like of course like (laughs) i'm experiential learner Yeah, I don't want to know anything about that. But so I know, like, I have bad. Certain things are in bad taste. Certain things I like are not likable things. But is there anything I believe that uh, is just patently could like be patently defined as false? Obviously, I wouldn't believe it if I knew that. It I know. Could be. You, it's That's hard to problem. ask yourself that question. So it, it just puts me in this situation like, so how, when I go, when I talk to someone who believes the earth is flat, how, how, how do you talk, relate to that person if, if to them it's like someone trying to convince me that the world isn't round, you know? Mm-hmm. You're nuts. <laughs> look all look up in the sky. How many square things do you see up there? <laughs> well, it's not just that, but that you have to ignore weather. You have to ignore ocean currents. Oh. And just as someone, things. I mean, you appreciate this, as someone who's worked in video or graphic design, the tremendous amount of work that goes into making all of these flat pictures look round. Are you kidding me? That'd be exhausting. <laughs> I would quit after half a day at NASA. I'd be like, seriously, I have to convert all this video and make it look round from a flat. Oh, you got to be kidding me. It's too much work. (laughs) It's true. It's a lot of work. Anyhow. All right. Well, I I guess, uh, is there any other parts of this that you wanted to talk about before I ask my final question? Well, no. Uh... Except that I, not specific to what you were talking about, I think it's important to use critical thinking as a tool, mm-hmm. um, but definitely entertain divergent ideas and invite people that have a di- divergent ideas into your life mm. because mm-hmm. yeah. it's healthy. It's healthy for everybody to share ideas. It's healthy mm-hmm. to be able to argue productively yeah. and respectfully with other individuals, because we all are sharing the same planet. Mm-hmm. I think getting along with people is a skill, and that's part of how we do it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually found a video. I believe it was, yeah, it would have been suggested to me on YouTube that explained, you know, this is a um, journalist who I really respect. And he explained the origins of his political beliefs, which um, he's, you know, sensed since I think um, they've evolved a little bit or changed, I should say. Um, but he, you know, he disagreed with me. Mm-hmm. We were in different party parties. 
And this guy is just, you know, he's, I just respect him so much. And his description of what made him join that party was just, it like made sense. Yeah. I was like, oh, that explanation is so reasonable. And we could have had all, like, we could, I get it, you know, in a way that I haven't gotten it before, you know? And it was just awesome. And it made me long for the days when the two primary parties in the United States could actually find a lot of overlap and be like, okay, we both want to achieve the same thing, but we both, you know, have different ideas about it. Let's, you know, figure it out. And that's really, that's a reality. I think that gets overlooked. Yeah. Um, that's exactly why I read that book, Love Your Enemy, is mm-hmm. because it was the Arthur. The Arthur. Boy, it's a rough one for you. I, today, know. Huh? I speak English. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Arthur C. Brooks is definitely he like he is kind of a center right position, mm-hmm. and I'd probably fall center left. Okay, like, I'm not too far away, but. He clearly was coming from a solid right perspective, but the words he chooses to use Mm. and how he speaks to everybody and not just to the right, let's say, Mm -hmm. it was, I really appreciated the language that he used and just listening to him talk in an interview really made me curious to read that book. And to hear other things he had to say. And I really enjoyed the book that he wrote, too. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, I recommend it. Good. Because I think that even though we're, we take different political views, I feel very similarly about the undercurrent of contempt that runs through America right now, like particularly through like adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And understand the book went a long way in helping me understand potentially where this is seated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Even though he's from a totally different political view. Yeah. It was a really valuable read. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, the question I wanted to end this section of the podcast about uh, with was, do you have hope? For the future. Always. Okay. Yeah. Based on what? What do you see that's like, you know what? This is going to work. Turn out okay. It is a faith in humanity that I, I really believe that at our core, we want the same things. Mm-hmm. We want to be healthy people that live in the world, that do productive things, where our families are safe, mm-hmm. and where we can enjoy even the small things in life. I don't think that's a big ask. And I think that that's something that the majority of people that I've met and will continue to meet in the future that we're all working toward. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine running into somebody that doesn't care about those things on some level. Mm-hmm. So that is where my hope and humanity for the future comes from. Okay. How about you? Well, my original answer is going to be no. <laughs> I think we're doomed. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But it is mid-December, so, you know, ask me again in June. But <clears throat> as you're talking, I'm like, ah, you're, you're storing some hope. I'm thinking we've been through hard times before. Mm-hmm. In general, the status of the world is improving pretty significantly everywhere. People are getting healthier. They're living longer. 
And when people are healthier and wealthier, they have more to lose. So countries tend to be more stable mm-hmm. than, you know, when people, everybody's broke and starving, you you know, then everything's going to be just a mess all the time. So even though there's a lot of talk of, you know, we need to have a civil war in this country again, like too many people have boats and RVs and a house and a mortgage and a, <laughs> and a, a 401k. They're not going to throw that all away, you know, right. to go back to Gettysburg and try this out again, nope. you know. So that gives me some hope. I, I do think just because new technology, humanity has always, you know, and society has persevered even when new technology um, came and disrupted things. I don't think that necessarily means it's always going to be the case. I think it's possible that we could invent our own destruction. We could. I think it's also possible that when the printing press was invented, people were like shaking their fists. It's like, this technology is just going to... Oh, sure. People lost control. Yeah. Time after time after time, you disrupt the status quo and people get terrified because it is threatening. Right. At the same time, I would summarize my feelings about the world is uh in a youtube video (laughs) i like watching uh, in general i like watching car crash snowy car crash videos on youtube wait can you just drive into town and experience this yeah i've captured some real close calls (laughs) on my dash cam oh yeah it's uh i'm gonna compile a video someday I've, i've got probably half a dozen totally crazy things i've captured already but not enough for video anyway um i feel like civilization right now has just hit a patch of black ice and the rear end is swinging around Mm -hmm. and if they don't overcorrect if they stay cool and they don't swing the the wheel around they might recover it but if they freak out in that rear end you know catches a snowdrift. it's off the <laughs> bank and flipping around and so i feel like i'm watching the world between covid and the internet um getting a little bit uh starting to skid you know what i find is First, the fishtail analogy is a little terrifying, but <laughs> accurate. Uh, that the longer I work online, the longer my job is dependent on being online, mm-hmm. the less time I want to spend online in my free time, in my mm-hmm. non-work hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point that when I'm done with work for the day, I have a hard time logging back in or spending time looking through social media. Mm -hmm. And I realized this recently and it's been happening for quite some time now, but it's, we're coming up on the holidays and I need to finish some Christmas shopping. And some of this Christmas shopping needs to happen online. And there's, you know, it's not a drag to go Christmas shopping, but I just don't want to spend the time online. Like I just, Mm. I find myself being drawn to non online things. Hmm. Even though there's tasks I need to accomplish in my personal life mm-hmm. to just get through the holiday season, I don't want to do it because it's just it's internet based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Do you think people eventually move away from things that aren't pro-social? I don't know. Like, at some point, are people just going to be like, you know what? Social media was fun, but it's pretty obvious it's terrible for most folks. So, so sort of like, I don't know. I think people the will vote fair. with their feet. Like, <laughs> yeah. If this isn't something that's working for society, mm-hmm. we'll ask for something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also have to look. We are so early. Well, I guess we're not that early. I forgot what year it was. <laughs> I was like, we're so early into the internet. As far as I'm concerned, it came like five years ago. Like, <laughs> then I was like, dude, it's 2021. Yeah, we're like decades <laughs> we're in. We're like way into this. <laughs> but relatively speaking, we are we are in a very early stage of the internet. We have like one major online shopping geologically speaking we're very early we are really early into this and so we're still i think in in the sorting it out oh definitely yeah and um and so you know we'll see i mean we're we're in the early phases of sorting out this silicon-based technology thing Mm -hmm. we're not we've had a lot of practice sorting out our social connections. Like that is what human beings do. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, I think that, you know, whatever is helping us mediate those connections can be new Mm -hmm. and we'll figure out how to negotiate them. But when it comes down to brass tacks, like we want connections, we'll figure out how to do it in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So optimistic. Sorry, you're depressed, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I think I, I don't. See, yeah, I guess the more I think about it, like I don't see people, you know, picking up pitchforks and going after each other. No, there is always going to be groups of people, right? Like that. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. I'm not, I'm right. not accepting that in any way. Right. I think we hear about it much more than we've heard about it in the past because, again, the nature of how we access news is, makes it easy. Mm-hmm. So we're more aware of things like that now. And yeah. that's also a good thing. Yeah. We, need to, we need to do something about it. And the world needs more cats. Ginger, your cat sitting on your lap, just, I feel like she sensed that you needed a little bit of... <laughs> Fuzz in your life. <laughs> yeah. She knows when I'm feeling a little bit down. She comes and sits on my lap and says, it's all going to be okay. Ginger. I thought she was going to come over here and say hi to me, she but she just kind of motored on by. you, but then she's like, wait, I'm still still thinking about you. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. Rob. Yeah. What was the thing that blew you away this week? Well, I am afraid... I'm afraid running out a little bit of like super mind blowing things, but one of one of the terms that I learned about, which please tell me I haven't already talked about this, was uh, wish cycling. I don't remember us talking about wish cycling. What is this? Wish cycling is when people try and recycle stuff that you can't really recycle, <laughs> and so it's an annoying thing for recycling uh, recyclers because you know people be like, "Wow, you know, uh, I'm gonna throw this." turkey carcass in there i'm sure that you can recycle that right instead of putting it in their compost pile? no i don't you know i'm just talking about all the bizarro thing i've watched a video on you know the challenges of recycling companies and in 
and whatnot and the and the crazy stuff that sometimes gets thrown into the recycling bins. So wish cycling is what that's what that huh. is called. When you're like, I don't know, I don't want the guilt of throwing this away, so I'm gonna throw it in the recycle bin and hope for the best. <laughs> Make someone else throw it away. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Anything that you learned or can we we might need to tweak this to no, things I, I found learned. Something. Oh it, wow, it, all right. It's blowing my mind. <laughs> okay, go for it then. I have been because it's winter time, I've switched my morning workouts from running to cycling. Mm-hmm. In a little stationary bike. But it's a great time for me to catch up on all of the new things that are on Netflix. Oh. Which I normally don't make time to do. And so here I've been recommended this video. It's a movie about a guy named Normal Persia. Yes. Okay. Can you and say it one more time a little slower? Normal Persia. Persia. Is this two names or one? It's two, like a first and a last name. Okay. He goes by Nims. Nice. Yes. He, it turns out, had this idea. He named this idea. He built it into a project. He called it Project Possible. Mm-hmm. And he decided that he was going to climb eight? No, 14? How many was it? It was, yeah. He climbed 14 of the tallest mountains in the world. So Mm -hmm. all of these mountains were above 8,000 meters tall Mm -hmm. in less than six months. Cool. It is amazing. (laughs) Like, it is mind-blowingly amazing, Mm. the effort that went into this. So part part of his thinking is that... So he's from Nepal. He's um, got all this Nepalese heritage. And the Nepalese are the the people who are out like on Mount Everest helping all of the climbers that are coming out there like on vacation or like to do their bucket list climb of Mount Everest. Everest, like they're the Sherpas that are going out there to help these people. Mm-hmm. They're the ones actually making it possible. Um, so he's like, if somebody, if anybody can do this, it's going to be us. Mm-hmm. And so he puts this team together of people. They're all Nepalese and they climb these 14 mountains in an astounding amount of time. Like they just shattered all of the climbing records mm. doing this project. Hmm. Um, and so the, what is the name of this? What is the name? Uh, <laughs> I'll put the name of this movie that's on Netflix um, up in the show notes, but just watching everything go down in this in this movie it was like a little bit longer than an hour. Hmm. I was just blown away by what hum- humans can do. It yeah. So I recommend it. I'm looking for the title right now while I'm trying to finish my sentences, but it's not coming up in Netflix now for things that I've already watched. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 14 Peaks or something like that. Oh okay. Yeah. So. Definitely watch that. All right. Well, I would love to talk about something so that you can do that search, but it's your choice for the next topic. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great reaction, man. Totally. I'm playing that back in slow motion in my mind right now. You should. Yeah, if you feel ambitious for editing. Really weird. Like, you typically 
dislocated your jaw or something for that. <laughs> I can't even. I totally forgot that I had to come up with something. It's okay. You know, I'm going to be gone for a while. So you can How think long? about it. How long do we have before our next episode? I don't want to say or people will rob my house. Oh. Okay. So you can't post this episode until I'm back defending my property again. I'm kidding. I can't post this episode until you <laughs> edit it. So That's true. <laughs> no, it'll We're going to we'll take a bit of a break. Okay. So if you want to think about it, uh, we can come back with the next one. It'll be a surprise. In the new year. Uh, that's oh, whoops, really? I just gave away. I don't know. Sometime around the new year. <laughs> and then Rob's smart house got robbed. Yeah. Well, you're you're on vacation too, right? So anyway. I am. All right, Kristen. Well, thanks for coming and and helping to prop up my faith in humanity. <laughs> a little bit. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the In Stuff podcast. If you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode, feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com. That's the letter N, stuffpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the In Stuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, true stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts or at darkwinternights.com. The In Stuff podcast is brought to you by Scratch Band, the brand new way to help you stop touching your face. Why is everyone telling you to wash your hands these days? Because they're covered with germs. Every time you touch your face, you're helping to put those germs into your body and make yourself sick. Until now... Scratchband's patent-pending design allows you to scratch your face with your wrist instead of your fingers, shielding you from those gross hands. Made of medical-grade silicon, you can sanitize it in the dishwasher, washing machine, or even a microwave. So stop touching your face and making yourself sick and join the evolution. Scratchband. More information at scratchband.life.